Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about all things relating to customer perceived value. And in, today, I've got a great guest, Carrie Sauls. She's a certified value growth advisor to uh, middle market and lower middle market companies and is the author of the best-selling Multiply Your Business Value in Three Steps and Harvest Your Wealth. Uh, it was extensively written on value growth, but her value is a little bit different than mine. We're going to talk about that. She started her first business in 88 and has gone on to launch and exit numerous others, taking two of them international. Uh, so she helps owners institutionalize changes that streamline performance, producing tangible results, which results in increased business value. Carrie, welcome. Thank you for having me, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Boy, it's, it's great to have you here. So let's start with your definition of business value, because when I talk about customer value, uh, that is the value of your offer, either product or service or solution, uh, in the mind of the customer. And business value is something like that when the customer is somebody buying your business, not your product or service, right? Definitely. But your business value, there's two pieces to it. There's the enterprise value internally, and then there's the market value when you do go to market for someone else to invest in you. And the internal value is what people forget is the core, because you will get many greater multiples when you go to that market if you have built up the internal value of your business. And it's not just having clean financials, but it's looking at every area of your business. All your, your core values are going to be how you run the business and your culture and your DNA. But the value of the business is not just in your financials, but protecting your IP, documenting your systems, having your governance up to date, having a strong management team who can run the business without you. It'll, the list goes on. Yeah, professionalizing your business uh, so people can understand it and repeat it and so that you are no longer the key man, the, the person, key man or woman that is needed to, to make it work. I have talked with several business owners that regret how, much, how long they had to stay on after the so-called sale of the company because the buyer said, you're too important to leave and we have to make sure that um, the business, there's some continuity after the transaction. Uh, tell me well, about that. that. That's, that's a real good point because the, the more the value is in you, the less cash you're going to receive from that buyer for your business. The more that you can demonstrate that you've transferred all of that knowledge, that expertise from your head into the business, it's imbued in your systems and your team and your documentation. They will pay readily for that because it means they can walk in and run this business as successfully or better than you without you present. 
or at least that transition period instead of years being held to the company, it could be only six months. And then they're saying, yes, we know we contracted for longer, but we're doing fine. Is it okay if you don't show up every day? And of course, the seller is very happy to let go because they're not tied to it anymore. They can move on. But it's all dependent on putting that value into the business rather than holding on to it personally. Yeah. And um, I... I help companies do that as well, but in a much narrower area, in the area of their sales and marketing. And I help them understand uh, and translate their product or service into the customer outcomes. Because customers don't buy your product or service, they buy their own outcomes for their own reason. Um, my listeners are almost sick of me saying that. And um, so I dive deep into the value and having your sales and marketing people talk to customers in that, but you are all about systematizing the entire business and making that and professionalizing that entire business. What an interesting, go ahead. Well, when you professionalize the business, you make it a business that somebody else can run, whether it's a team of people or one other individual, you've created a business that is self-sustaining, that you can prove where it's going, what it, what the business is doing to be able to continue without you, whether it's because you take a vacation or because you want to sell it. Either way, you want the business to be able to continue when you're not there heading operations day to day. No, I think that's extremely important. And you work in kind of the mid-market and small to mid-market and the lower end of the mid-market um, where something that I see often in bigger companies is a little bit less of a risk. And that is we go from the founder's vision, kind of a company culture. We, the founder is, the company's small enough so that we all know why the founder founded the business and, and we're, we get it. Uh, and then we start to professionalize and develop systems. And so we become a for-profit business. And it's easy for companies to kind of lose sight of that founder's vision because now we've got it all in systems. And uh, so I've got a process that I can manage. And th that's great in its initial stages, but I see bigger companies take that too far and they fossilize it. And instead of being a for-profit business, they're a for-process business. <laughs> Well, that's where culture becomes one of the critical pieces. It's not just the glue of the company, but it's, it's what drives everyone to be part of the same team going after the same goals because you're reinforcing that culture is based on values that aren't just superficial, but rather ingrained in every individual and in every system and the, and the reason behind what you're doing. And it can be validated by every part of the organization, not just by top management. It gets back to a number of things that Jim Collins said in his book, Good to Great. You, you need to have the right people on the bus, but you need them in the right seats and you need to help them understand what that, uh, that value is. That's why I love his idea of the, um, uh, what do you call it? Big, hairy, audacious um, goals. Yep. Because if you can have everyone in the company from all their different departments being able to describe what that goal for the company is and have it in language that their world, whether it's finance or marketing, operations or sales, that using the same words means the same things from all these different directions, then you have everyone aligned. Yeah. 
that alignment is what will be internalized that people will live up to rather than this sterile process that's out there when they yeah. can identify that this is benefiting me and my team and my objectives. Yeah, I, I love the metaphor of the bus because you want to have the right people on the bus. You want to have the right people on the seat, but you raised another use of the word value where I turn look at customer value and you've been talking about enterprise and business and internal value. Now you've added in values, the people values and what people value. And so when people are on the bus, I want not only the people in the right seats, but I want windows on the bus and I want people looking out at the customer and I want everybody knowing where the bus is going and how they contribute to getting that bus to its destination. And we have so many people, and I, uh, I say this in just about every podcast, and sorry, listeners, but uh, I'd like to get your feedback on this, Carrie, is that I have companies, clients, that have 15 different roles that touch the customer. It used to be 20, 30 years ago, there was maybe five, and now there's 15 because we've got installation and client success and project management and technical support and finance and accounts receivable where there might have been five before and where it was okay to have two of the five be sales and that sales type roles had the majority interface with the customer when it's 15 sales has a is a minority shareholder and when there was five it was okay to tell the other three just stay in your lanes do your installation and we'll take care of the rest and we'll understand customer value and that's not your job just do your job uh, when sales is the minority shareholder, when the other 12 organizations, other 12 roles that touch your customer have trust from customers that your salespeople will never have, they have insights that your salespeople will never get, they know people that your salespeople will never know, that same just stay in your lane sort of mentality, that same stay in your lane ethos um, has suddenly shifted underneath us from being a good idea to being a source of corporate dysfunction. Oh, you're raising all sorts of um, history for me personally. Being, I experienced that eons ago where I was in a marketing role and I went out not through the sales pipeline to the sales contacts within the clients, but to the production team who was actually using the product that I was the marketing person for. And I reached out to all of those people and unbeknownst to sales, there was this whole big production budget that sales would never know about, never not mind be able to touch. But from marketing, I was offering them a solution that they really needed in production. And I was the one delivering the product. Sales wasn't interested because the price was too small for them to, to address. But I was able to go out to all these customers directly, get yeses, and get invoices out of their production budget so that in a 60-day window, I sold $10 million out of a $70 million goal for the year in 60 days to directly to the production departments because I was coming from marketing with, an, with something that was solving a problem and sales wasn't interested in delivering it because it, it didn't give them a high enough commission. And how much trouble did you get? Oh, trouble. a lot of trouble. Because <laughs> that was, that was almost 40 years ago. Oh, yeah. I, I know the exact feeling. I've been in, uh, I've been in the same role as the uh, only marketer at a huge company that was allowed to talk to customers. And it was open range warfare. Um, it's hilarious. 
but there you, there you have and, it. And that's a whole different issue about how the company looks at, from your perspective, the value of your sales team and the value of that relationship with the customer and therefore the organization that supports you to achieve that. Yeah. From my perspective, in terms of systems, then you need to go up higher to the entire management team in terms of integrating everybody's touch points to be sure that the interface is cohesive and consistent to deliver on that performance, but without blocking anybody the information they need to do their own jobs. Yep. But you don't want to hamstring sales or go around sales to do it because they're supposed to be the point person in the relationship with every customer. Absolutely. I, I call it a value culture or a customer, a, a, a culture of customer value yep. where everybody in the company needs to understand customer value. Uh, I early in my career worked in a company where um, I was a product manager and I'd go out on a sales call and, and the customer says, well, it was a semi custom product. So the customer would say, here's what I need. And it would look similar to a product we were already making, but it'd have some small changes. And one time, uh, it was the exact same product I made for somebody else, but in a different color. And the new color was something we had in stock. So it was simply substituting out this, you know, the red stuff for the gray stuff. And um, we wouldn't even have to make new tooling to, to make this product. And so all I had to do was create a new part number so that Neither customer could order the other customer's part numbers. And um, then, so I, I changed the drawing and crossed off the word red and put gray in. And the engineer wouldn't sign off on that change until he knew what the customer value was. And I couldn't get a prototype made by production until the production people knew what the value was. Why is the customer going to buy from us? And why do they need gray? And what does that do for their business? And what outcomes does it get for them? And it was kind of maddening to have to answer those questions to production and engineering people on such a tiny change. But that discipline forced everybody to be maniacal about customer value. And so the values of that organization were value to the customer. And um, what a great lesson. And so that kind of started me on my journey. So tell me more, what do you think about that, about having a culture and values around value to build corporate values? <laughs> exactly. But that's where um, when you focus on excellence, when you focus on optimizing the entire organization rather than just one channel or one department, and it's all integrated, all of that excellence ratchets up the, the value return to the company, to the customers, and to the people in the organization because instead of having all these independent systems, they're all cogs in the same wheel that work together. And when they're working together, that hones the relationship, it, the integration ensures that everybody's on the same page. All of that 
shows that the, this organization is self-sustaining. That's showing the opportunities to be able to scale this business because those systems are working and everyone's on the same page. And it allows you to project the future value of the organization, future opportunity with customers, maybe with larger customers, or an accelerated speed for, for acquiring or onboarding customers because you have this kind of alignment. But if those values get out of alignment, then somebody intuitively or unintentionally will end up putting the brakes on. And the rest of the organization is going to be looking around saying, where did that come from? Why is that happening? What broke down? And that's where the system is to document what's working so well and not make it rigid as you're talking about, but to always have everyone who has a role to have a voice in how to improve it and yeah. that everyone can actually share that information in an open platform that is contributing to the betterment of the whole company. I, I love that, Carrie. So now I'm gonna now I'm gonna be the uh, the curmudgeon, get off my lawn guy, and say sounds great. But right now we are in the middle of a pandemic, and people are not worried about growing. They're not worried about business value. They're worried about survival. Does the same? I maintain that a lot of the same things that you knew you had to do, that were on the back burner, became more important. Suddenly, an emergency like this lays bare the the things that you needed to do and you were getting away without being disciplined in on them and so is is it the same from your perspective absolutely i'm i keep going back to stephen covey's seven habits of highly effective people and his four quadrants and business owners have been comfortable because they've been profitable and so they've been happy with the revenue that's been coming in and they've just been working day to day operationally. They've been working on what's critical for today rather than on anything that's more strategic and working. They should be working on what's important. Yes, but not what's critical. Let delegate any of anything like that to the team who should be doing those in terms of operational activities and then focus your time, take the time to be more strategic, setting up all these systems that you know are best practices, that you know are going to optimize your operation, that you know are going to deliver better performance for the entire organization. That's where people should have been focusing. Now you have the time to focus on it. Your team might be um, paralyzed because you can't open your store or whatever, or if everybody's working virtually, you now can take all of that commute time even if it's just your commute time that you now allocate to doing these strategic things, it can transform your company to give you a stronger foundation today. But in addition, it's going to give you that foundation that when we can start ramping back up, you'll be a stronger, more viable, less risky business in general, opening you up to many more stronger contracts with your clients because you're not the risk for them. You are, you've taken the risk out of working with you by everything you've done to lay a foundation under the business that ideally should have been there. Yeah. And to that end, one of the tools that I use, we, we've now, we're giving away both the handbook itself as well as all of the paper version of all these tools. You don't have to buy the software. You don't have to invest in everything. Business owners can actually do it themselves by starting the best practices. And these aren't best practices that are brand new. These have been advocated since Congress created the Baldrige Foundation in 1987. 
So it's not something secret or brand new. This is something that's been around a long time. But what we've done is now made it not only free, but at a level that smaller businesses can understand because what was available until now was presented at such an ethereal academic level that small business owners would get through the first page of the introduction and realize it was beyond them. We've made it very, very accessible for owners. So I want to hand out the website, Manage No, I was just going to say, I had the question that I wanted to ask you, but uh, give people right now, this second, uh, how they can get a hold of that and how they can reach you. ManageHub.pro forward slash accelerator. And it, it's a program they can they can immediately get a number of the tools for free. If they want to engage, they can engage for fifty percent off the price for the um, for a three month period with no contract. It we're, we're this is all because we know business owners are in a pickle. They they're trying to cut costs. They're trying to do the right thing, but too often people will cut costs in the wrong place, or they, they, they think the only solution is to bring in bad revenue on the sales side, or they think, okay, I'll be saved by taking an SBA loan. And that's just kicking the can down the road for 18 months. So we're trying to say, no, those, take those ideas and put them in the parking lot. Those are, are not your best options. Here's something that's going to strengthen your business and keep you moving forward. Yeah. And I would like to offer something that kind of runs alongside. And that is, uh, I help companies understand their value and quantify and, and, and identify all the different customer outcomes your product or service produces for a customer. When you understand your value, um, you understand what, how your processes and how everything should fit on top of that value. And right now, just about every business's value has changed, right? We all know the unfortunate changes in the value if you are a uh, leisure cruise line or an airline, but think of the value that has changed from Amazon, a remote shipping service, a virtual service. Think of the value that has changed uh, for Grubhub and DoorDash and delivery services. So in the, if you have any part of your business is in logistics, the value has changed. Um, I have a client that is a small manufacturer who has lost about 1% per year of his business for the last 15 years um, with offshoring to China. And suddenly the customers that were offshoring for 15 years and leaving a couple parts with him uh, are saying, clear the decks, we're moving the tool back from China as soon as they let us, and we want to manufacture locally because we just figured out why long supply chains are a bad thing. Uh, so his value, his prices didn't change, his service didn't change, the ingredients didn't change, the machines he built on didn't change, his value changed. Um, and so he's now trying to find other companies who are doing the same thing that need uh, components and they don't have onshore suppliers. So he's started changing his business. There's another uh, lady who was in tears because she had a, a yoga studio and she had to close that because of social distancing. But her business has actually grown by 40% because she's offering virtual yoga lessons. Her value wasn't the, in this, wasn't something that had to be delivered in the studio. 
her value was something else. So I would love to, uh, if, if you've got a client that needs to just get back to basics and understand their value, I'm more than happy to help um, combine with your um, broad disciplined approach. I think it would be fun to work together on something like that. Absolutely. It's, it were complementary in the strengths that we're bringing to a client in the client's best interest for where they can take their business now rather than thinking, well, that would be nice when it's more about what can we do right now? Because everyone needs to get off the sidelines and get back into action. Yep. And that's what I'm, I'm everything that I'm putting out with different articles I'm posting. I'm launching a new blog this Sunday called a wake up call because owners need to realize all the things they should be doing now rather than waiting for something to be provided or fixed by somebody else, whether it's the government, an industry, or the state, to take ownership of what you can be doing. And what you're actually doing hits on exactly what you were saying, Mark, is the value that you're offering in the marketplace can therefore be reinforced and strengthened also by doing that. You're presenting your leadership to your customer base, the leadership that you have in your industry, why would they want to go anywhere else if you're being so clear about what you're delivering? Exactly. And um, I, I, yeah, like, so it, it all builds from value and it's, it's sad to think of a small business that is struggling and they decide that they're going to turtle, right? They pull everything into the shell and go defensive. When, in reality, if, if we could just help them think through their value, there's something they could do that's marvelous. And it may, you know, I, I told the happy stories of, of businesses that were growing, but um, boy, if, if we can just help you survive in, a, in one piece better, then I will feel great about having helped. So Carrie, uh, why don't you give your contact information one more time? So people can get a hold of you. People can reach me directly at Kerry, K-E-R-R-I, at valuegrowthresults.com. That's my website, valuegrowthresults.com. Great, Carrie. Thanks. Uh, this has been a great conversation. I'm really glad that we got together today. Thank you so much. I appreciate having the opportunity to talk about what I am so adamantly passionate about. So thank you, Mark. And I love the idea that what we do works compatibly and therefore better value for any client. No, I, I love the, uh, the opportunity to, to learn from each other, uh, to add value to what each other does. And so thanks everybody for listening in to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we believe that customer value is something that exists only in your customer's mind, which means that your business success, in a sense, is all in your customer's head. Thanks a lot, and have a great day. Well, it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive both of you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, cause you'll be singing those old, don't know value blues. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.